Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I know that over the years, they would often sing about the promised land, and the promised land um, was equated to heaven. Listen, that's, that's not the promised land. The promised land is not heaven. The promised land speaks to spiritual maturity. It speaks of being grown up in Christ, growing in Christ. It doesn't speak of heaven. It's not parallel to heaven because in the promised land, You have to enter the promised land, and when you get in the promised land, there are Amalekites there, and there are uh, Amalekites, and there are Gergesites, and 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 otherites, and um, amen, otherites. There's all kind of ites, parasites, and ites. In the promised land, they had to go into the promised land, and they had to fight for the land. So the promised land cannot speak of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God, you won't have to fight in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there's no, there's no more tears, there's no more sadness, there's no more sorrow, and there's no fighting in the kingdom of God. So when you enter into the promised land, that speaks of rest. The rest that Hebrews is talking about is not a place or a time, it's in a person. It's resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. When you enter that kind of rest, God's rest, you cease from working and trying to please God. Now, this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not going to look at uh, verse by verse per se this morning. As you know, we are a verse by verse teaching church, Bible teaching church. We cover every jot, every tittle, every question mark, every line, Line upon line, precept upon precept. But this morning, I want to do a little something different that's been on my heart to share with you. And um, I need some time to share it. So this morning, I want to focus on verse 9 in chapter 4. Verse 9 in chapter 4 and simply tie the other verses together. Notice in verse 9 of chapter 4, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Now, I want you to look at chapter 3 and verse 7. We looked at it once, but let's look at it again. Chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as in the day of rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness. Look at uh, verse 13 of the same chapter. In verse 13, today has the same message. Don't allow your hearts to become hardened. Look at verse 15. If you will hear his voice, chapter 3, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And then in chapter 4, in verse 7, 
Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The writer is encouraging these Jewish believers not to harden their hearts like the people of God did. And because they hardened their hearts, they did not believe God. They did not enter into God's full rest. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you already know this. And if you don't, then write this down. Numbers chapter 13, 14, and 21. Numbers 13, 14, and 21 all tell the story of the people of God leaving Egypt after 430 years of slavery. And God told Moses, you know the story, don't you? God told Moses to tell the people what he's telling them. Let my people go. Don't y'all know that? God told Moses, I'm going to say it again. God told Moses to go tell Pharaoh, what did he say? Let my people go. You know that. And the people left Egypt and they're headed for the promised land, the Canaan land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And while wandering, headed toward the Canaan land, but they hadn't gotten there, they're wandering in the wilderness. They come to Kadesh Barnea, Numbers 14. Moses sent 12 spies to check out the land, and they came back after 40 days later, and they said, Pastor Moses, we got some good news and some bad news. Which one do you want first? Don't you, somebody say to you, you always say, I don't know, I always say, give me the bad news first. Where are my bad news people at? Yeah. Give me the bad news first. I want the bad news first. Okay. So they say we got good news, bad news. Okay. The bad news is that there are giants in the promised land, in Canaan. The Anakins, the Amalekites are in the land. And these dudes, they said, are beyond buff. They are so huge, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. And the people said, oh, no, we are doomed because we look like grasshoppers. And God was bugged. <laughs> Boom. Because they didn't believe the promises of God. The good news is the land is flowing with milk and honey. Well, listen, Joshua and Caleb said to the people, I love this, Numbers 14, 8 and 9. They said, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Listen, from Canaan or from Egypt to Canaan was an 11-day journey as the crow flies. An 11-day journey. But because the people of God never believed God, the people of God always wanted to prove God and constantly test God, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. And while in the wilderness, listen, God was still merciful and God was still faithful. How many of you know, even when you are not doing what God has called you to do, God will still show mercy and God will be faithful to you. God is merciful. God is faithful. Miracle after miracle, God provided for his people. Listen, the miracle started when they left Egypt, chased by Pharaoh. They come to the Red Sea in front of them, and Pharaoh's army is in hot pursuit behind them. And Moses raises up his staff, and he parts the Red Sea, and Israel passes on dry ground and reach the other side. And Moses' army drowned in the Red Sea, and Israel got on the other side, and they sang the song of Moses. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. Well, then they come to the wilderness of sin, and they continued. God continues to show grace and mercy. 
mercy and provision. He led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And if that wasn't enough, when they were thirsty, God gave them water from a rock. And if that wasn't enough, God provided meat to eat quail. And if that wasn't enough, their clothes didn't wear out and shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. Wouldn't that be awesome, parents, if their (laughs) shoes... I seriously, I am serious. Would that not be fantastic if you bought them some Nikes and they lasted for 40 years? Now you buy them some Nikes and they last for 40 minutes because their feet grow so quick. You boy, you're like, boy, didn't I just buy you some shoes last week? Yeah, but my feet have grown. Well, stop eating. Stop doing something. You're getting too big. God was faithful to them. Somebody say amen. And if that wasn't enough, when they were hungry, manna came from the sky every day. Now keep in mind, there are as many as two million people in the wilderness. That's a lot of manna every day. Exodus chapter 16, write this down. Exodus 16, 18, each day they were taken, they were to take an omer or six pints per person. Scholars have done the math. That is 4,500 tons of manna every single solitary day. Friday evening before the Sabbath, they gathered 9,000 tons of manna came down every single day. That's over 1 million tons per year for 40 years. You tell me God's not faithful. God said, take the manna, bake the manna. Cook the manna, boil the manna, roast the manna, whatever you're going to do to it, do it for 40 years. And they got sick of manna. And they said, manna live, can't we eat something else? (laughs) And I'm sure they got creative in ways to make manna dishes. They probably published a manna cookbook. They had different manna dishes. Should I do it? They made manicotti, (laughs) banana bread, (laughs) banana splits, banana wraps. The manna was a little white coriander seed and it tastes like honey. And listen, you can see the grace of God even in that. Because God could have provided this manna every single day. And and, and look, God was gracious to, to have it taste like honey. God could have had it taste like Pepto-Bismol or Kaopeptake or something. God had it taste like honey. I'm telling you, what I'm saying is that God is a merciful God. Somebody say amen. He's a merciful God. Yeah, I'll wait while you clap your hands there. He's a gracious God and a merciful God. We can see the grace of God even in the taste of the, uh, of the coriander seed. I mean, it could have tasted like uh, uh, castor oil or cod liver oil. Remember cod liver oil? I said castor oil, didn't I? I meant cod liver oil. You remember your mom used to make you take a cod liver oil? Y'all remember that? Oh, my gosh. That was child abuse. That was child abuse. That was just child abuse. I'm sorry, it was child abuse. That was child abuse. CBS or C- CPS needs to be called. <laughs> I said CBS. I meant CPS. 
God was gracious to give them great tasting food. Well, listen, in spite of all of their unbelief, Israel refused to believe God. And because they refused to believe God, they failed to enter God's rest. And the point of chapter four, got your pen? The point of chapter four is nobody can enter God's rest without faith. Hebrews chapter 11, six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Chapter four tells us without faith, you cannot enter the rest of God. So a whole generation under Moses leadership died in the wilderness, carcasses in the wilderness. And remember, even after that generation died, a younger generation went into the land, but even that generation did not enjoy the full rest that God had planned because of unbelief and a lack of obedient faith. So there was no rest in Moses' case, and there was no rest in Joshua's case. And verse 8 in our text, look at it, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have spoken of another day implied of rest. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9, there remains a rest for the people of God. You know what's really interesting? Cults always promise you happiness, don't they? They promise you health and wealth and prosperity, but there cannot and will never be able to promise you rest. The rest that we're talking about, again, saints, we find it in Christ, resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I want to shift here just a little bit, just a little turn, talking about rest. I want to talk about the Sabbath. The Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 9, we are told Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you should labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Leave that verse there just for a second. The work of creation, according to Scripture, was done in six 24-hour days by God. Creation ceased on the sixth day. It didn't go on for thousands of years, contrary to popular teaching. It didn't go on for millions and billions of years. Six 24-hour days, God created the entire creation. It was finished on the seventh day. God stopped and rested from all his work, the Sabbath. Now, we hear so much talk in the Christian world. Thank you for that verse. We hear so much talk in the Christian world about keeping the Sabbath. Let's understand something, saints. The Sabbath was given to Moses with the law and the Ten Commandments. The church, listen to me, the church was never obligated to keep the Sabbath. Never. I hope that doesn't mess you up, mess up your day, burst your bubble. The church was never obligated to keep the Sabbath. In the book of Acts, the church met on Sunday because they loved Jesus. The church met on Sunday because Jesus resurrected on Sunday. The church met on Sunday for prayer and praise and fellowship and teaching. The church did not meet on Sunday out of law. They met out of love for Jesus. The early church never observed the Sabbath. Now listen, if you're a Sabbath keeper, you have to keep the whole Sabbath. Amen. You can't just keep part of what you like and the other part you don't keep. If you're going to keep the Sabbath, you have to keep the whole Sabbath. And the whole Sabbath 
begins from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Genesis tells us from evening to morning were the first day. That's why it's sundown to sundown. If you observe the Sabbath, you have to work six days a week. Remember God said, six days thou shalt work and the seventh thou shalt rest. So you're not to observe the Sabbath unless you have worked six six days a week. If you keep the Sabbath, you have to allow your land to rest Every seventh year. If you read Ezekiel in your own time. And Exodus. I have it for you on the screen. Exodus 31, 12 through 14. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak also to the children of Israel saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. That you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, the Sabbath, that person shall be cut off from among the people. The verses go on to say that the children of Israel are to celebrate and keep the Sabbath for generations. The Sabbath is a sign between Israel and God. From Exodus, we learn the Sabbath is unique to Israel. When Jesus, listen, when Jesus came, Jesus changed everything and everything changed. He didn't just cleanse the temple. He abolished the temple. He didn't want to eliminate bad priests and keep the good priests. He eliminated the priesthood. He didn't reconstruct or or restructure the sacrificial system. He obliterated it. He destroyed all rituals and all sacrifice and all the externals. He destroyed the holy of holies, including the Sabbath. And in the New Testament, the Sabbath observance went away with all the rest that belonged to Judaism. And he put an end to his ceremonies and his rituals. Understand something, the Sabbath or the Shabbat, was one of the most important institutions in Israel. The Talmud is a book of Jewish traditions and has 24 chapters on the Sabbath and how to keep the Sabbath. Again, the Talmud is a book written by man, not God. It is not inspired by God. But it's a book on on how to keep the Sabbath. So, question... How did Jesus treat the Sabbath? Answer, absolutely any way he wanted to. How did Jesus treat the Sabbath? Any way he wanted to. Here's a few examples. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus and his disciples are walking through a grain field and they got hungry and they grabbed the heads off the wheat and blew the chaff and popped it in their mouth. Listen, nothing was wrong with that because Deuteronomy 23, 24, and 25 allowed for someone to eat in your field. It was like walking in a field of granola. Well, the Pharisees saw that they were eating and they said, aha, Jesus, you and your Pharisees are eating, you and your disciples are eating granola on the Sabbath. Now, first of all, who are these people? The Sabbath police? I mean, the Sabbath Bureau of Investigation? I mean, who are these people? And you got to ask the question, how do you catch someone eating granola? How do you catch them? I mean, you know, the, the woman caught in the act of adultery. How do you catch someone in the act of adultery? 
How do you catch someone eating granola? What were they lurking in the wheat and they have binoculars and looking through them trying to catch them? And keep in mind, Jesus and his disciples are breaking a man. Listen to me, this is important. They are breaking a man-made set of rules, not a God-ordained commandment. So the problem wasn't they were eating grain. The problem is they were working on the Sabbath. And you got to love Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, I want you to read it in your own time. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus goes on to say, if you think that's bad, Jesus said, hey, have you read about what David did? And then Jesus tell them, tells them the story from 1 Samuel 21 that David and his men were running from Saul and they got hungry and they ran into the house of God and they ate from the table of showbread. Keep in mind, they, <gasps> they ate from the table of showbread. Keep in mind, the showbread was only for the priest, so they violated the law. Jesus in the same chapter go, goes on to mention the priest in the temple who always profane and desecrate the Sabbath. In other words, they break the law by working on the Sabbath. They had to light candles, kill animals, put the carcasses on the altar. As a matter of fact, they work harder on the Sabbath than any day of the week. And yet they are found blameless, Jesus said. Matthew twelve eight. Jesus said, the son of man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus says, I can do absolutely anything I want to do on the Sabbath because I am the Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus said, I can do anything I want. I can institute it. I can make restrictions. I can set it aside. I can nullify it. When Jesus came again, he changed everything, including the priesthood. Even the priesthood, because now every, are y'all listening? Now every born again believer is a priest unto God, Second Peter 1, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. We're talking about how Jesus treated the Sabbath. Luke chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus goes into the house of one of the lead Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, and they are watching him. And there is a man suffering from leprosy. And Jesus said, is it possible to heal on the Sabbath or not? And they were silent. And Jesus took the man and healed him and sent him, sent him away. And he said, which of you has an ox that falls into a pit and will not pull him out on the Sabbath? And they couldn't answer. And Jesus chose to heal that man. Think about it. He chose to heal that man on the Sabbath, making it clear. Jesus is sending a clarion call message, making it clear that mercy has priority over ritual. Mercy has priority over ritual. Meeting human needs is more important than ritual observance. Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus is willing to set aside the law to bless people. Jesus is saying, you guys are so wrapped up and tied up and locked up in your petty rules, you fail to show love and mercy and the kindness of God. See, the goal in the heart of the Sabbath was not, you better keep it. The goal in the heart of the Sabbath was to be a blessing. The goal in the heart of the Sabbath was rest. True rest. Under the new covenant, we enter a rest with Jesus himself. 
Under the new covenant, we are healed and washed and accepted in the beloved. Anybody glad about it? No more labor. No more labor. No more forcing. No more perspiration. Just inspiration. And one last thing. Listen. Interesting. Fascinating, I might say. Do you know? Did you know? That there is not one single command in the New Testament that commands us believers to keep the Sabbath. Not one. All ten commandments are repeated in the New Testament. Some are repeated several times, but the fourth command, keep the Sabbath, is never repeated in the New Testament. Not one single time. Listen, there is a rest that awaits the believer, and it's a spiritual rest that comes to you and comes to your heart and your soul from hearing the word of God. There is, verse 9, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The one who enters his rest has himself rested from his works. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.